Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. We are in the middle of a series called Bigger Than Me. Somebody say, Bigger Than Me. Say it like you mean it. Say, Bigger Than Me. There you go. The first week, we looked at Paul's first letter to the church of Corinth, specifically chapter 12. And Paul teaches the local body of believers at Corinth that they are part of the body of Christ. That's how he describes it to them. He, he gives us this analogy of the body of Christ. And as Jesus promised, together, together, we will do greater things. As the body of Christ is part of this body, we get to do greater things. The body of Christ is bigger than me. Amen? <laughs> Some of you are not convinced yet. The body of Christ is bigger than me. Amen? Amen. Last week, we studied the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where Paul teaches us that the greatest of these is love. Somebody say that. Say, the greatest of these is love. Yes. There's no loophole in love, as we figured that out last week. You can have all of the talent in the world. You can operate in all the spiritual gifts. You can be right and wrong at the same time, because if you don't do it in love, you're nothing more than what Paul called a clanging symbol. That's it. You're just a clanging symbol. So God's love is bigger than me. God's love is bigger than me. Have you ever started a new TV series that you thought you were going to like? It was really interesting the first episode or two and, and you start getting into it only to lose interest and quit watching it altogether. Have you ever been there? That happens with, with Mandy and me. It happens quite often with us. We'll, we like a good series like anyone else, but We'll give it a try, and then we'll just we'll back off. And I remember a number of years ago, this is, this is going back, but I remember when the, the show 24 was, was very popular. I don't know. Anybody ever watch the show 24? Yeah, it, it shows your age. And, uh, but <laughs> when it first came out, there was all of this, this just hysteria and hoopla about the show, man. Everybody was talking about 24. And I remember all the people in the church office where I worked at in Tampa, they were all talking about it. And so... Mandy and I decided we were going to give it a try for season three. We didn't go back and watch seasons one and two. That means we would have had to bought the DVDs because this was before the days of Netflix and Hulu and all that good stuff. And so we just picked it up at season three and thought later on we'll borrow the DVDs from someone else and catch back up. And so we started watching season three. And I, I can tell you this. We endured season three of 24. We endured it. We made it through. And then we gave it up. We were done after that. We were done with season three. And, and, and so everyone said, everyone talked about season three is, is the worst season. I don't know, for those of you that are fans of the show, I don't know if anybody else noticed this or not, but season three is the worst season is what everybody tells me. And, and they say it was better before season three and it got much better after season three. But we were just done. We were never going to watch it again. We did the same thing with Designated Survivor. When it came on, we started watching it. We were glued. Kendall was off at college. Caleb was still living at home. And me and Mandy and Caleb, we all started watching Designated Survivor. But after the first season, we gave it up. We never went back to it. It just wasn't that intriguing to us. And now that I think about it, I'm sitting here thinking about it now, maybe it was Kiefer Sutherland. Maybe it's just him. Maybe we just don't care for him. I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm saying all that because if you choose to check out of this series today, if it's like, okay, you had me the first two weeks, but uh, I don't know, let me just encourage you with this. Hold on tight to what you have heard me teach thus far. If you check out today, and, and you've got every right to do that, okay? If you check out today, 
Just don't forget the first two parts because they're very important. The body of Christ is bigger than me, but it does include me. And God's love is bigger than me, bigger than me but it must be displayed by me. So if, if you forget everything else and, and you check out you know, today and you're like, I don't even care about what you're saying today, just remember those things, okay? Body of Christ is bigger than me and it does include me and God's love is bigger than me but must be displayed by me. If you get those two things right, if you can get those two things right, you won't destroy the rest of us. But if you continue to find this series intriguing and you don't check out, Today is what takes the church to the next level. Okay? You can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You probably guessed that's where I was heading. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want you to remember now that the Apostle Paul is specifically writing to a local church body in the city of Corinth. Okay? So he's writing to a local church body. It's, it's, a, it's a group of believers just like us. Okay, they're, they're gathering together, they're meeting together, they're worshiping together, they're doing life together. And so it's a local body of believers that he is writing this to. It certainly does apply to us, but he is specifically targeting them. And he continues with this letter. Again, no chapters, no verses. It's a continuous letter. The chapters and verses, they are for easy referencing. And so he continues with this letter, and he stresses that love should be our target. And so you're going to hear that a few times today, though that is not what I'm talking about today. Paul just sees the urgency to make sure that the church operates in love. And so he continues preaching this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to start with verses 1 through 4 here. Paul says, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Now I want to focus on verse 1, and then we're going to turn to Ephesians 4. Okay, So listen to verse 1. Listen to what he says. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. So love is our highest goal. We, everything that we do, we operate in love. But he says, the Holy Spirit is giving you abilities. He's giving you gifts. And he said, I, I, I want you to desire those things. Now listen to the consistent message that Paul wrote to another congregation, another local body of believers. And, and Paul was very consistent in what he spoke to the church in Corinth. And now he is speaking to the church in Ephesus and in Ephesians 4, I want to read 16 verses here in Ephesians 4, starting with verse 1. Paul writes, he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, allow, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. See, Paul's still driving that. That's still driving that love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, let's stop right there just for a moment. We'll pick it back up. However, Paul writes, however... This word here, however, 
is not being used as a conjunction like you may think that it is. In some Bible translations, it is the word but. But. You ever had a but get in the way? But. This is not a conjunction. Rather, it's, it's almost church adversarial. It is meant to lead you in a different direction. He's been talking about one thing, but he's making a hard right turn. And he says, however, but, it's almost like he's saying in spite of, or on the other hand, I've told you all of this, but on the other hand, I've got something else I need to tell you. So however, Paul just wrote about being one in unity. How many of you believe unity in the church is important? Amen? Amen. Unity in the church is important. You, you want to see a church fall apart? You watch them just, just begin to dissolve, dissolve the unity. You become uh, divided in things, and the church will begin to fall apart. And so Paul's writing about being in unity. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. We're all connected in the body as one. It is God's will for us to be unified. Do you believe that? It is God's will for us to be unified. However, however, it is also his will for us to be diverse in our spiritual gifts. That's why we all can't be the hand and we all can't be the foot and we all can't be the ear and we all can't be the nose because we are diverse in our spiritual gifts is what Paul is telling us. And so in verse 7 he says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Some translations say the grace of Christ. He's given us this through the grace of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. So when, when Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, the promise of the Holy Spirit to empower the church with the gifts, that's what he's talking about. Verse 9 says, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens. So that he might fill the entire universe with himself. See, when he ascended to empower the church, we are empowered through Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he ascended and then he fills the world with his power. Verse 11, says, verse 11 says, now these are the gifts of Christ. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, this is you, to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will mature in the Lord. Do you hear what he's saying? He said, when we reach this place in unity in our faith, in our knowledge of God's Son, then we are mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Oh, let's read that again. I think some of us need to hear that. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Man, Paul is consistent with this message. He keeps stressing time and time again. Yes, you are empowered. Yes, there are spiritual gifts. Yes, God wants to use you and you are unique. But man, you are bound together in love and don't you forget that you operate in love. And as long as you do that, the, the, the sky's the limit for the church. Amen? Man, I think you need to look at somebody and tell them there's a place for you in the body. Tell them. Say, there's a place for you in the body. There's a, there's a place for you in the body. Amen? There is a place for you in the body. You belong here. God designed you to be in community with a group of believers and for us to operate in spiritual giftings that the Holy Spirit gives us. I love that the Apostle Paul tells us that these gifts are given through grace. Oh, this is something so many of us just don't get and just don't understand, but but he says that these gifts are given to us through grace. And grace is, is the ability to perform what God has called us and equipped us to do. That's what grace is. Grace is that ability that he gives us to perform what he's called us to do. And Paul understands that God will equip those that he calls. And, and this works in two ways. And, and this is so important. And this, this covers everybody in the room, okay? It, it operates in two ways. Obviously, there are people who do not consider themselves, they don't think that they possess the ability to do what God has called them to do. They're unworthy. They're not qualified. I will tell you, I'm a perfect example of this. When God first called me into ministry... And there are a few people in the room who remember me before God called me into ministry. Um, my kids don't know me that way because they were born into it. But my wife remembers what I was like before God called me into ministry. She remembers how unqualified I was. My, my mother-in-law and father-in-law certainly do. My wife's uncle is here. Her grandfather's here. They remember that. I, I don't need any comments from you. My brother-in-law, sister-in-law, they remember. Joe, Suzanne, y you guys remember. You were, you were there. You remember when God called me into ministry. If there was everybody, anybody ever unqualified, it was me. Now listen, I was raised in a pastor's home, but thankfully my mom and dad, even though I saw some stuff along the way, it wasn't until I was an adult that I really started seeing some of the heartache that is associated with ministry. As a child, I was protected from it a lot. Mom and dad did a great job of that. I was not qualified. I had no experience to do what God was asking me to do. At that point in my life, I had been a skating rink DJ. I worked at Bressler's Ice Cream and Yogurt for a season. I can make a mean waffle cone too, I'm just telling you. I sold body parts, like arms and legs and things. No, collision parts like hoods, fenders, that kind of stuff. And then I was this, uh, I, there was a short stint that I was a copier repairman. And God, I hated that job. That's why when our copier goes down, as a matter of fact, just so you know, we just bought a new copier. 
it was, it was either that or I was going to lose my religion, okay? So the old copier is gone. It was time. It was, it's, it was man, a dozen years old or more probably. My, probably like 13 years old. So we needed a new one around here. But these people will tell you I had no business preaching to students. I had no formal training in ministry at the time. All of that has come later. But God gave me grace for the task. That's what Paul said. He said he gives you grace when he empowers you. He gave me that ability. He equipped me. By his grace, he equipped me. And I'm not the only one in the room. There's plenty of people. And and this is one of the things that keeps people many times from from obeying God and walking in that obedience and and fulfilling what God's called them to do is because they do not feel qualified. They feel unworthy. and, And so therefore they don't take that step of faith and they don't allow God's grace to work through them because when God calls you, God is going to equip you and he does that through his grace. And so you've got us, some of us that that we 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 get into this thing and, and we don't feel qualified to, and then you've got those people who are too qualified for the task. You ever met them? They're just too qualified for the task. Maybe you've heard it said that God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. Oh, it sounds great. It looks great when you you walk by Hobby Lobby and see it on a plaque or something, but it's wrong. I'm sorry if you bought it, and maybe they'll give you a discount. They're a Christian company. Take it back and tell them it's wrong, but God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. No. Sometimes God absolutely calls people that are overqualified and over-equipped for the job. Sometimes he does. You know these people. They, they manage people. They make financial decisions for a living. And how dare you ask them to park cars on Sundays or tend to crying babies and hold open doors and, 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 and greet people as they walk in or reset the backs of the chairs in between services and pick up trash and all that kind of stuff. They're overqualified to do that kind of stuff. Second Corinthians 12 and 9, Paul writes, he said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's what I figured out. There are times that my weakness is my weakness. And then there are some times when my strengths are my weakness. Sometimes when I feel overqualified, that's a weakness. Listen, if you walked into this room today and you think I'm too good to serve, there's your weakness. We just found it. Sometimes God's grace comes in the form of humility. And at the moment that I think that I am too good to serve God and his people is the moment that I need to learn to pick up a toilet wand and clean toilets by his grace. By his grace. We cannot ignore Christ in an upper room enjoying the Last Supper with his disciples when the most powerful person in the room, the most powerful man in the room gets up, girds himself with a towel, and begins washing everybody else's feet. The most powerful person in the room leverages his power to serve. We've seen this played out recently. I intentionally call out the the title here, but our administrative pastor, Andrew Petrush. Andrew um, has taken on a new role around our church since we moved into this building. Not by choice. I I certainly didn't ask him to. He just happened to be at the right place at the wrong time. (laughs) And uh, 
we've, we've had a few plumbing issues here with the new building. It started in our offices, and it's the longest stretch to the septic on this side of the building, so it has to travel all this way with other things joined in. And We didn't know that uh, someone had, had dumped a whole bag of concrete down that, and it, it clogged it up somewhere. They, they ended up cleaning it out, but um, we had a few mishaps. Pastor Andrew has had to get his hands dirty a little bit. Let's just put it that way. We also had a funeral here at the church. Not my dad's funeral, a different funeral. And uh, someone that we don't even know decided they would go in the men's room and take one of the, um, the guards in the urinals. Most of the women have no idea what I'm talking about. Men, you do. And they took it. And they went and put it in one of the toilets and then used the restroom on top of it intentionally. Pastor Andrew is being in the right place at the right time, serving, just serving his way through it. Sometimes you've got to serve your way through all the crap, don't you? You just got to get there. This has left quite an impression on our youth pastor's daughter, Piper. She was FaceTiming with her grandmother and she was so excited for a little note that she was going to give Pastor Andrew. And when asked, why are you so excited to give him this note? She says, because he likes cleaning up everybody's poop. <laughs> That's what Piper said, because he likes cleaning up everybody's poop. And then she was so excited that, that she got him a little toy poop emoji. <laughs> and she, she gifted it to him. Do you think it's by coincidence that her name is Piper Grace. <laughs> Piper Grace, God gives you grace for the task. Man, how many of you can appreciate Pastor Andrew right about now? Amen? Yeah. Hey, um, appreciate him, but I would strongly advise you to use COVID-19 as an excuse not to shake his hand. So, yeah. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, he says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you, the, giving you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously and if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You know, in the English Standard Version of the Bible, which is, is this Bible here, I, I love the English Standard Version, the word grace is used 131 times. 124 times in the New Testament. 86 times it's penned by the Apostle Paul. 86 times he, 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 he talks about grace. And this equates to two-thirds of all the uses of the word grace in our Bible uh, are, are, are penned by the same author, the Apostle Paul. So it should not be of any surprise to us that he has been nicknamed and referred to as the Apostle of Grace because it's like Paul understood it. Sure, grace is about the forgiveness of sin. We know that. But Paul knew that grace gets you through every assignment that God gives you because it is through his grace that he empowers you for the task that is at hand. It's through his grace that he equips you to do what he's called you to do. Now listen to me. I had, I had Bill Wilson um, 
for Betro Ministries in, in, uh, in New York City, world's largest uh, Sunday school at one time. And, and Bill Wilson, one time at a conference many years ago, answered a question with one of my colleagues. And the guy was having a hard time uh, trying to comprehend what it means to be called. When Bill Wilson said, you've never heard an audible voice from God. I'm not even debating that today, okay? He said, you never heard an audible voice from God. He said, you don't need to. He said, being called is simply seeing a need and meeting that need. We're given this, this great responsibility to be a part of something so much bigger than we are. But you will never be a part of something so much bigger than you are until you learn to roll up your sleeves, jump in the game, and start serving. But in order for you to do that, you better pray that he empowers you and equips you by his spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that so many people get burnt out in serving because they stop praying for God's grace to help them serve. Every spiritual gift that I have acting, act, active in my life, it all comes through God's grace into my life and it equips me for what he wants to do. And, and, and I don't have time to get into it today, but I promise you this, God is a giver for God so loved the world that he what? gave. God is a giver. God will continue to give. And if you hit your knees and you begin praying, God, equip me. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. By grace, Lord, equip me to serve your church. God's work through me is bigger than me and my abilities. In his book, The Bait of Satan, John Bevere said these words. He said, physical growth is a function of time. No two-year-old ch child has ever been six feet tall. Intellectual growth is a function of learning. Spiritual growth, <clears throat> spiritual growth is neither a function of time or learning, but is a function of obedience. Obedience. Ephesians 4 and 16, Paul says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. Don't miss this. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Did you catch it? Did you hear what he said? We have a responsibility, church, to do our part. And when we do, it helps us grow. The whole body becomes healthy and growing and full of love. Man, I go back 14 years ago. The summer of 2006, when we're meeting with a small handful of people who are interested in, in, in helping us launch this church. When we grew to 35 people meeting on Wednesday nights only, 35 people, I started putting job descriptions in their hand. I did not ask them. See, some of you, you, you arrived through grace. Man, I, I just wonder if you'd have stuck around during the, uh, the beginning stages of our church. I did not ask anyone. I walked up to them and I handed them a job description. And I said, we are launching in September. I need you to figure this out. I need you to know how to do this. And I'm putting this in your hand. Learn this. And we begin training volunteers so that on launch Sunday, we had 35 people serving. It launched a ministry that is so much bigger than we are. 
Our direction teams and the people who lead those teams and all everyone who serves on those teams, man, I'm telling you, it is an answer to prayer. And the reason why our church exploded and continues to grow year after year is because we have such a large volunteer base where we're all carrying the load together. And I know it goes beyond that. I know it's beyond just, just joining a team. I, sometimes it's just simply seeing that need and saying, you know what, you, you need some help there and I'm going to help. Or, or, or you just love your brothers and sisters so much that you want to be an encouragement to them. However God has empowered you, just know this, that the whole body becomes healthy and we grow when we are full of love and serving. At a meeting of the American Psychological Association, Jack Lipton, who was a psychologist at, at Union College, he presented his findings on how members of the various sections of 11 major symphonies perceived each other. It's always dangerous, but this was his findings. The percussionists were often viewed as insensitive, unintelligent, and hard of hearing, yet fun-loving. Being a former drummer, I take offense to that, but that's okay. String players were seen as arrogant, stuffy, and unathletic. That's fair. The orchestra members, the orchestra members overwhelmingly chose loud as the primary objective to describe the brass players. Think about that person you know that plays the trumpet. They're loud. Woodwind players seem to be held in the highest esteem, described as quiet and meticulous, though a bit egotistical. These are interesting findings, church, to say the least. With such widely divergent personalities and, and, and perceptions of each other, how could an orchestra ever come together and make such wonderful music when they all view each other in those capacities? And the answer is very simple. Regardless of how those musicians feel about each other, they will subordinate their feelings. They will lay their biases aside to the leadership of the conductor. Because when he stands before them and he taps his baton and he gets their attention, and they all strike up the chord at the same time and they follow his direction, it creates beautiful music. God has equipped us to work together. We are not the same people. You do not need to be me. I do not need to be you. We are equipped differently. Different personalities, different backgrounds, Different measures of grace for what he wants to do in and through us. But it takes all of us putting our eyes on the conductor, getting away from petty differences and, and, and looking to Christ as the one who is going to guide his church. And when we do our service to him, it becomes worship filling the throne room of heaven with sounds of his creation working together. Have you ever viewed it like that? Have you ever looked at it quite like that, church? Have you ever just thought, man, when we serve together, when we just start serving together, it becomes a symphony of praise to God. It's bigger than me. 
It's bigger than you. And he's teaching us what it means to be a part of this thing all together. Different, but united. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, that your grace equips so many different people to do so many different things. And God, I believe that we are only growing in that grace. Empower your church with the gifts to serve. Empower your church, Lord. Teach us to speak life into one another. Lord, I don't ignore that, 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 that Paul said that we should desire the gift of prophecy. Lord, I think sometimes we misunderstand and we forget, Lord, that we can be forth-telling with our encouragement, that we can speak life in, into some of the most darkest situations to, 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 to people that are in the body of Christ with us, but God, they need to hear us prophesying to speak life over them. The world is, is denying them that. Let us speak into each other's lives. Teach us, Lord, to seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But Lord, unite us through serving. Maybe you're here and thinking, man, I, I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to be a part of what the pastor's talking about. I need that grace in my life. Well, the beautiful part about grace is that it starts with salvation. Before he asks you to serve, before he equips you with his Holy Spirit, You have to receive the free gift of grace, the power of salvation on your life to forgive you of every sin. I've been forgiven. Many people in this room, they've walked this thing out and they've received that free gift of salvation. All you have to do is receive it. So if that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not even going to ask you to stand. Nobody's looking around. This is just me, you, and God talking right now. No one can see this. This is just us. But if you need to be forgiven, if you need that forgiveness for your life, if you want to know that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you just raise your hand real high right now? Let me see who I'm praying for. Just raise it high. Raise it high. Nobody's looking. Yes, yes. Leave it up. Leave it up. Yes. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Church, I saw at least three hands that went up saying, I need Jesus. And man, I love it when they're just ready. When they've heard his word and there you're just ready to respond and that's how it was today. For those people that raised your hand and said, I need this, this salvation, I need forgiveness. We're not going to single you out. 
what we are going to do is we're going to pray a prayer together corporately. Everyone in the room is going to say this prayer together. But I need you to make this prayer your prayer. I want you to make my words your words. Mean it from your heart today as you receive forgiveness. This is all that you have to do is believe what we are about to pray. So church, I want you to look up to heaven and let's say these words together. Say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he rose again, giving me eternal life. And today, I make him the Lord of my life. In his name I pray, amen, 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 amen. Whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. Forgive us if you're watching online, but that was the, three people, three people just made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. I'm talking salvation, saved from eternal flame. Three people just gave their heart. Would you celebrate that like it means something? Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 And, and maybe, maybe you're watching online and, and you prayed that prayer at home. We want to connect with you also. And, and there's a form that you can fill out. Just go to destinycommunitychurch.org slash connect. Fill that out. And we'll put a free gift in the mail to you. It's a book that we want to give you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.